Today I'd like to speak with you about the thought of suffering and leaving little time to sink deep into your suffering. And if you are physically able, I ask that you gather your copy of God's Holy Word and turn with me to Colossians, the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, and we will read verses 24 through 29. The Apostle Paul wrote, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. May God bless the reading of his word today. You may be seated. Suffering is inevitable. And even when you are living for the Lord. And I'll say this, especially when you are living for the Lord there will be suffering. Recently, I read a book called Twelve Faithful Men. It spoke greatly to me as it was dealing with 12 pastors uh, through the ages of the last 2,000 years and especially the last several hundred and their struggles, their sufferings, their afflictions and how God worked through them to use mightily their afflictions for the good of others. One of those that uh, really spoke to me was that of John Bunyan. John Bunyan is the writer of probably the second uh, most well-known book published and read through the ages, not so much now in our days, but still it is being read, should be read more by many Christians, and that is The Pilgrim's Progress. And I'll say, I believe I saw on uh, some social media last night, they are bringing out a movie about that uh, soon. John Bunyan wrote that wonderful story dealing with the Christian life. The character's name is Christian. And he wrote that and other many wonderful books during a 13-year prison sentence for preaching the gospel. He grew up in England in a time of the Black Plague and civil unrest. And then he struggled with his own melancholy and depression and striving to earn God's grace and finally realizing one day the wonderful free grace found in Jesus Christ. He surrendered to the ministry, although still struggling with uh, depression and anxieties and thoughts and blasphemous thoughts even before he would go to the pulpit to preach and then as soon as he would leave the pulpit it troubled him deeply 
he was not a licensed minister by the state church and so as he as his success as a preacher grew so did his persecution and uh, the state came against him and said, you, you're not certified or licensed to preach, and if you continue to preach, then we're going to imprison you. He said, I must continue to preach. I've been called by Christ. He continued to preach, and so he was imprisoned for almost 13 years away from his family, his children. It bothered him and wounded him deeply. And But there in those prison cells, he pinned as he felt a responsibility to suffer for Christ. And they simply said, Bunyan, if you'll just sign a consent form saying you won't preach the gospel, we'll let you go. He said, if you release me today, I'll be preaching the gospel in in this same hour. And so he remained there for almost 13 years, separated from his wife and his children, one who, which was blind, the whole family suffered greatly we do suffer and even though your suffering and my suffering might not seem as earth-shattering as what we just shared about Bunyan and I'll be honest I read that book and at times I felt guilty of of even calling some of my sufferings suffering after reading what many men and women have went through for the namesake of Jesus Christ But still, how many of you have tried to uh, calm down a teenager that's getting ready to go to the dance and they have a big zit in the middle of their forehead? You know, and we say, well, that's nothing compared to life. But to them it is. To where they are right there, it is. They've not lived as long. They've not experienced as much. And to them it is. And so whatever suffering you're going through today, no, you, you and I have not been uh, in a prison cell for almost 13 years for not preaching the gospel, but we still have sufferings. We still experience many afflictions in this life, and they still have been preordained by God to experience these things in our life. So we don't make light of suffering today. I'm not making light of our suffering. I'm not acting like we don't have suffering. But we are expecting it, and we are accepting it, and we are understanding that there is purpose in it for God's glory and the strengthening of the church. There is suffering. However, suffering is not to break us. Though we do expect it, though we do accept it, though we understand that there is purpose in it, we, do not, we are not broken by it. We are bent, but we are not broken. And even though we suffer, we must not allow ourselves to sink deep into our suffering, allowing it to overtake us in life. So today, with the Scriptures and with the help and aid of the Holy Spirit, I want to share with you four very practical ways to leave little time for yourself and myself to sink deep into your suffering. First, let's look again at what the Apostle Paul wrote. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the body, that is, the church. 
of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. The first thing I would share with you today is live with humility and understand that even as believers we will suffer. God allows it. God ordains it. And He uses it in the lives of His children. In these first couple of verses we see some very powerful points of Paul's preordained, purposed sufferings. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to give you three P words, if you will, for you to remember this. They're not up there. But the first is that Paul felt in his suffering that he was partnering with Christ in the work of the gospel. He was partnering with Christ. He felt that. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. It didn't mean that in any way what Christ had done lacked anything. That he was filling up something that Christ had left undone. It meant that he was joining Christ in the work of the gospel. My friend, what a wonderful comfort it is. What a great joy it is for us to know that when we suffer, we are partnering with Christ when we suffer for the sake of the gospel, when we suffer for the sake of others. We're partnering with Christ for the good of the gospel. When you feel that you are attacked by others, rejoice! Rejoice! Don't have the attitude that you don't deserve what you're going through. That is a prideful attitude that brings damnation to our soul and to our mind. As Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, when someone's attacking you, be thankful. They don't know the half of your evil. And you want to know that's true with me. When somebody says something bad, they don't even know the half of how bad I am. Thank God. Rejoice, because you're partnering with Christ, and we mustn't have the attitude that we don't deserve what we're experiencing. To do that is to go against all the many millions, including our Lord, that suffered greatly for the sake of the good news before us, and even are right now in parts of this world. Don't say, I don't have time to go through this. That one always cracks me up. I don't have time for this. Like anybody has time for suffering? Is your time any more precious than anyone else's? We must live in humility. And first, when we are attacked, rejoice. And when we are attacked for the good that we are striving to do, we are partnering with Jesus Christ. And Christ was a man of sorrows. So rejoice. Paul said, I'll rejoice in my sufferings. I'm partnering with Christ. And secondly, he reveals to us that he was providing his body to play his part in the body of Christ, the church. I'm filling up what is lacking. I'm playing my part in the body of Christ, where Christ is the head of the body. He said, I became a minister. I'm doing what God's called me to do according to the stewardship from God that was given to me. I didn't choose this. He chose me. He chose this ministry for me. He pulled me aside. He's preordained this. And I'm just playing out and giving my stewardship of the ministry I've been called. 
And it's my part to make the Word of God fully known. So I'm just providing my body to play my part in the greater body of Christ. I'm being a living member of the body of Christ, the church. You find a responsibility in that. Bunyan also felt that while in prison. That's why he would not sign a form saying he would not preach the gospel. He knew there were people that were watching him and he had a responsibility not only to Christ to stay faithful to what he'd been called to, but a responsibility to those watching him that he must suffer for Christ and stay true and faithful with the Spirit's help. Thirdly, Paul said that his suffering was profitable to the growth of the body of Christ. He said that again in these scriptures. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God has chosen to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Beloved, your suffering will strengthen other people when they watch you go through it with the power of Christ. As you minister to them while you suffer, it strengthens the body of Christ. As you continue to serve with rejoicing, even in the midst of your suffering, you are feeding and maturing other Christians that are not as mature, not as strong. They are weaker and they need to see you continuing to play your part and partner with Christ, it is profitable to the church and its growth. Paul experienced all of these things. He was partnering, or he proclaimed these things. He was partnering with Christ. He was just playing his part in the body of Christ, and he saw the profit that his suffering brought to the maturity of other believers. Again, Paul wrote this letter while in prison. This is a prison epistle. He's writing to encourage others that were experiencing uh, heretical teachings, trying to draw them away from the wonderful gospel that they had been reached with. And here in his prison, he writes to them to tell them, stay strong and stay true, and Christ is enough. He is all in all. He is the beginning and the end. And in this wonderful book of Colossians, you find the wonderful Christ hymn. Imagine, if Paul had not been imprisoned, we might not have a Christ hymn that says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things Hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That came from a prison cell in Rome, my friends. His suffering was profitable to the church, and it still profits us today to know the person of Jesus Christ. So first, live with humility. Secondly, I want you to look high, and higher than what's around you. 
In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Again, chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Brothers and sisters, when sufferings hit you, look up high and higher than what's around you. Spiritual disciplines of prayer must be sought. Times of prayer, times of worship, time of fasting and devotion drawing closer to Christ amid your suffering. Beloved, when you're in the midst of suffering and afflictions and trials and you seek out and look high and set your gaze and your mind on things above and seek Christ like you've never sought Him before, oh, the sweetness that you will find of the help that comes from heaven. Again, speaking of John Bunyan, he wrote in his prison cell, I found myself a man and compassed with infirmities. The parting of my wife and poor children have oft been to me in this place as the pulling of flesh from my bones. He was a man of great and intense suffering for many years. But yet that same man in the same letter wrote this, But I found that I could pray for greater trouble for the greater comfort's sake. In other words, what Bunyan was saying, I learned that I would pray for the troubles to become greater because the sweetness of Christ would be greater to me in those times. He sought the sweet comfort of his Lord and Savior. Look high, my friends, and look high like never before. Charles Spurgeon also said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. Bless the waves. Though as harsh as they might be, they cast me upon the rock. And I was set upon that rock that is higher than I. Pulled out of the muck and the mud and the miry clay and set firmly established upon the rock of ages. It was the waves of suffering that threw me there. Praise God, I rejoice in the sufferings because they drew me closer to Jesus Christ. First, live with humility. Secondly, look high. And then live in the book. Live in the book. Not a book, but the book. God's voice, God's word. You can read many profitable Christian books in your life. I do too. But brother and sister, we must live in the book. God's word. It is God's voice to us. And God is never silent as long as our Bibles are open. The Word of God is likened to these in the Scriptures. A sword, a weapon for us, armor, defense for us, a lamp, a light for our path, a mirror in which we see ourselves, a hammer that crushes us, a fire that purifies us. It is a milk that nourishes us. It is a meat that strengthens us. It is rain and snow that grows us. It is cleansing water. Let the Word of God determine your reality and not your circumstances. Do not allow your sufferings to determine 
your reality. Allow God's Word to do that. And it will tell you that you can do all things through Jesus Christ, which gives you strength. It tells you that you're a conqueror and assured, safe and secure in the righteous right hand of Jesus Christ in God the Father. It is God's voice bringing healing unto your soul. It is heaven's nectar bringing sweetness unto your mind. Live in the book. Live there. Daily live there. Speaking of John Bunyan and Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said that when you cut John Bunyan, he would bleed the Bible. And that's because in those 13 years of being in a prison cell, he engulfed every day the Word of God into his life. Live with humility, look high, live in the book, and lastly, lend a hand. Even in your suffering, I want to encourage you to be a wounded healer, as Christ was. Christ did His greatest healing when He was wounded the greatest. Lend a hand, Colossians 3.12 Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13 says, Bearing with one another, Bearing with each other. Even in your suffering, be the wounded healer towards others. Help them in their weakness, their suffering, and their heartaches. And as we pour the oil of gladness into their lives, that same oil is poured over us as well. I read to you a letter I received, a card I received in the mail this week from one of our members. Dear Pastor Allen, don't be afraid. When fear and worry test your faith and anxious thoughts assail, remember God is in control and He will never fail. But the hands that control the universe, God's hands, are wise and compassionate. We can trust them in spite of our circumstances and not be afraid. God is in control. So you have nothing to fear. Oh, how that was a chicken dinner to my soul this week. From Miss Sister Emmanuel. Thank you for lending a hand, Miss Emmanuel. Thank you. Lend a hand. And as you bring healing to others, you find that you leave little time to sink down and deeply into your sorrow and sufferings, and you find healing as well. Beloved, live with humility. Don't say, I don't deserve this. The truth is, none of us deserve to even be breathing right now. Don't say I don't have time for this suffering because God has preordained it for His glory. Trust Him in it. Look high today. Look higher than the things around you for your healing. Live in the book. Don't just occasionally visit. Live in it and lend a hand. Wow, have I, how we have experienced that this week. Not only through the card but through calls and uh, other letters and through meals. Wow, what a blessing you've been to me. 
Thank you. And Paula and Trey and Tori. Is this simple? Yes. Easy? No. Not making light of, of suffering. It is difficult and it is hard. Simple, yes. Live with humility. Look high. Live in the book. Lend a hand. But easy, no. But with God's help, you can find blessing in your suffering. You can find victory in your suffering. You'll find purpose in your suffering. Kim, you lost your husband too soon. But your suffering and Kenneth's testimony and the boys are going to minister to others in time to come. And you're going to bring healing to their life. The Holy Spirit's going to use you to bring healing into others' lives. Purpose in our suffering. And might I dare even say like the Apostle Paul, joy. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. I rejoice in it. You'll find little time to sink deep into deep times of suffering. Beloved, I know that we all suffer. There's suffering and heartache in every pew this morning, and that goes for the pulpit as well. We all need Jesus Christ in our life. Do you have Him? Is there purpose in your suffering? Is are the waves throwing you to and fro and tossing you? Just pray that they will cast you against the rock of ages. And there you will find safety. Would you call out to God today? Would you look up on high and cast your cares and your worries and your fears upon Him? Would you today, maybe you're wrestling with God and you think, I don't deserve what I got. But would you today say, you know what, Christ, I'm going to quit griping about how I've been mistreated because you were treated so much worse and you were so much better. And what I did and am doing, I'm partnering with you for the good of the gospel. Would you make a dedication, a rededication today to live in the book this week? To stay in God's Word? Would you give your life to lend a hand today? And beloved, all is vain. All of your suffering is in vain unless you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It will amount to nothing and will be of no profit to you or anyone else. If your soul is lost and bound for a devil's hell, would you have faith in God today? And it's okay. Like the Father to Jesus in the Gospels to say, I believe, but help my unbelief. I say that a lot. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. God honors that, and He will today. Call out to Him in faith and find strength and joy in your sorrow.